Hello, I'm Jessica Nunn from the Time and Space Podcast, and welcome to Doctor Who's Line Is It Anyway, where everything's made up and neither script nor canon matters. Welcome back to Doctor Who's Line, is it? Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the Jodie Whittaker episodes that we've had the last few weeks. We're having a little bit of a break from that now for a while. And we're going back to one of our conversations that we had whilst we were trying to record the Twin Dilemma at the tail end of last year. As mentioned on the first of these, this didn't happen for various reasons. You've heard the first conversation. This is the second one. It starts off with us all waiting to see what happens. Uh, Sookie turns up unexpectedly, but it's always a, a nice thing to have Sookie join us at any point until eventually we realise that we're not going to get the recording done and it tails off into just an ordinary conversation. So this is what happens. So enjoy it. Hello. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm fine. I must be on today. I'm at work. <laughs> 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 Hold on a second. Let me let the dogs out. I thought that sounds like Sucky. What's Sucky doing yeah. here? <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have to put off, guys. So, uh, that's, that's all right. We, were, we weren't expecting you to be here anyway. You're, you're just automatically in the group call. It calls everybody whenever we call the group call. So, <laughs> so uh, feel free to ignore us if, you, if that ever happens again. Please and tell then, me you're not an air traffic controller. <laughs> well, uh, you guys have a nice recording, and uh, I'll see you... Uh, Sunday morning. Sunday. Yay. Okay. An unexpected extra yeah. session with Is Sookie. that my doctor? Hello? It, it is. Yes. So my doctor is work is going to record from work? No. No. Oh. No, no, okay. that was that was that Maybe was Sookie. That was Sookie. Oh hi Sookie. Uh he's gone now. <laughs> oh bye Sookie. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're stuck with me. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. Happy. You're my doctor. That's me. Somebody just... is bing binging me. Who is yeah. bing binging me? Me. Smiles. Yeah. You want to make something of it? <laughs> <laughs> are you are you bing binging me again, Miles? I'm bing binging in front you. of everyone. Yeah, oh, I know. Dear. In front of That's Randy, which is worse. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't care. He's like, eh, <laughs> bing away. Randy doesn't care. I'm colorblind. I can't see anything. These damn children came from my loins. One from my right nut, one from my left nut. Features of Venus. And that's how twins work. And that's how they work. <laughs> Must be f- them. The fraternal. The fraternal twins. <laughs> I've only got one left. <laughs> one left twin. I don't yeah. want either, so... No, no one not left. <laughs> so single twins is all, all you can do. Can, can single the other one. I lost mine at birth. Damn it. I lose everything. What, your nuts? My nuts, yeah. Yeah. I lost one five years ago. There's not really anything you can say to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now this discussion's gone, balls up. <laughs> I didn't it didn't just. It, 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 
it didn't just randomly roll away. <laughs> oh, Kent is a bastard. We're rolling away testicles. <laughs> I had two when I went to bed. Why am I waking up with only one? <laughs> testicles. That's because you forgot to get the sugar. It, it got munched away by cancer. Oh, oh. So it's uh, it's John Bobbitt's wife. She's that's, back with a vengeance, isn't he? That's yeah. I, I, I really did well, actually. I was I was incredibly lucky. I didn't have to have any chemo or radiotherapy or anything. Just intensive monitoring oh, right. after the surgery. I I was phenomenally lucky. It was an incredibly rare type of cancer. It's very sort of slow growing, and it didn't metastasize. So it was just a case of removing the nut and. Then blood tests every month and CT scans. <laughs> I wish you scans. wouldn't say that. No, I'm laughing. I feel terrible. I'm not laughing at you. Oh, laugh away. I do. I take the piss out of it all the time. Whenever anyone says, oh, bollocks, I say, oh, bollock. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, if I can't have a joke about it, wow. Yeah, none of you know what to say now, do you? <laughs> Well, I think mainly because half of us are trying to trying to persuade Pinky to join the call. <laughs> yes, I do. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> I do. I do think it's quite quite ironic that we're having this conversation and about to be joined by Pinky. <laughs> why? Why is she half nuts? <laughs> no, just just because Pinky. <laughs> oh. And there she is. <laughs> Hello, Pinky. She's finally decided to join us. They didn't ring. I've been sitting here going, what the fuck is everyone? (laughs) Missed all the exciting discussion about my testicles. (laughs) 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 We've been talking about nuts. It's been kind of fun. Damn it. You could have waited for me. (laughs) There there are some things that just can't wait. Oh, fine. We We were having a ball. (laughs) <laughs> just just All the right. one though yeah. yeah just one ball <laughs> so are you are you regularly called hitler then darren uh not usually no <laughs> <laughs> probably what just, probably just as well <laughs> I think somebody better sell things to him. <laughs> so he's very confused. <laughs> I didn't right. know that just, he was... It just sets her up for the rest of the episode. Yeah, so... I'm, not, I'm not a neo-Nazi or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have one testicle left. Yeah. And not one right. one ball. That's he took one. it to the alcohol. Yeah, so this is an oddball <laughs> podcast here. Yes. Welcome to the One Ball Podcast. <laughs> oh my God, I'm seeing people. What happened? What the f? What the f is you going didn't on with before? my Skype? No, what do you my mean? Skype just did something weird and now I've got a big pink blob like, I don't know. Well, I'm jiggling stuff. No, there's no I'm, way to I'm, describe I'm, Pinky. <laughs> I'm not Hi. a big, big blob. <laughs> Are you a little. Okay, who's women? There's Miles. I can see your name. This is kind of interesting. Randy is the only picture I see. You had a good evening with uh, Mr. Chalice, then? I had a lovely evening with Mr. Chalice, yes, indeed. He's a diamond, isn't he? He's a lovely bloke. 
He's a yeah. lovely bloke, and I think I found it quite funny that he was apologising to you <laughs> for not oh, understanding. <laughs> well, that that thing that 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 um, screenshot oh, that the, you sent oh, me. The, oh, the DM, yes, yes. <laughs> About this is this is John Chalice, who was um, Scorby in the Seeds of Doom, and possibly better known to people in the UK as Boise from Only Fools and Horses. Boise. Boise. Right, All right, Marlene. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he had a one-man show. Darren's friends with him. And, uh, oh, I went to see the show yesterday and um, met up with him afterwards. He's recorded a few bits and bobs for us, but had no idea what he was doing. Um, so, which we, is got probably this... my fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a combination of things, I think. Um, but I recorded the entire conversation, and and at one point I, I I tell him what he has to do, and he went, what, 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 what? <laughs> Which I think is perfect to use as it is, because oh, I was going to say you can great, use that. Oops, yeah, right. ideal, ideal. So <laughs> he starts off his show by saying that he got, he got into acting basically by from when he was younger from doing lots of impressions and different accents and things. And um, and obviously, we, there's an awful lot of that that we do on on this on this podcast, or some some of us do anyway. Some of us some of us don't. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I thought, well, that would have been great. And you talked about the Goon Show as well, and did a couple of Goon Show voices. And I was mad on the Goon Show back in the day. So um, we, there was a potential there for quite a good conversation. But unfortunately, it was the end of the evening. You know, he's 76 years old. He clearly doesn't be hanging around a long time after a show that's gone on for two hours. So I didn't I didn't keep him. Um, I, I kind of rushed through what we were doing at the end, which is possibly why I didn't completely understand what was going on. So but it's OK, because we got we got uh, some stuff out of it. And and he was very pleasant and uh, posed for pictures and signed autographs and things. So can't really ask any more than that. So, yes, no, he is one of the <coughs> nicest people I've ever met in the business, to be honest. Um, that's that's not just sort of uh, biased because I know yeah. him now. Is he, he genuinely is? He's he's so lovely. I, I don't know if you spoke to his wife Carol. At all. Yes, I was. I was stood in the queue and I heard this voice go. Well, where's Miles then? <laughs> and that was Carol sat at the desk. And I go, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> She's she is lovely. I yes. love it a bit. Yeah, seems like a very nice lady. So. Um, I'm just going to go get myself a drink and yes. I'll be back two seconds That's okay, Derek, I'm pleased One, to see you have a picture two. Bring enough yeah. for the rest of the class yeah, I was just going to say Scotch, please <laughs> that's, that, that's my Lord Montague from uh, the play so, D- Darren, Darren will have um, Scotch on the rock <laughs> So in other words, if somebody wanted to get their rock off <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just, just, poor Darren. Uh, then again, I do fit Perry at the end. They were all having a discussion with Nicola about how sad it was that Perry had to die the way she did at the end with the bald head and shaved head. And I'm she? Like, oh, she didn't. And I'm like, but I'm so glad because she looked like me. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't die, right? No. No, she did. Oh, no. Well, no. she went off with Brian Blessed, which is basically the same. Oh, you're going to believe that their story? <laughs> <laughs> I know what I saw with my own eyes. <laughs> which time? Yeah. Though? You died. Sorry. Um, what? The you got dilemma. a joke, guys. Hold on. What's this? Hold on. Randy just 
Randy just got a call from work, and he just got called into a into a meeting. Oh my god! Oh wow! On a yeah. Friday night? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. he's not on call. You see, this is what happens when you put all of your entire staff on the damn bench, yeah. which is where they put people where they're waiting to see if they could find another position. And he's the only one that's working in his department. He has no idea if he's going to be let go in November or if they're going to keep him till the end of December or if he's the last man standing. Mm. He has no idea. So a situation like this where they go, oh, Randy, we need you to work. Yeah, exactly. Same shame Sookie was working. Call Uh, Sookie and say, just put it on the quiet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> don't let anybody in. why is he talking to himself at work yeah exactly. what's wrong with him is he okay yeah, particularly if he's an air traffic controller that would be slightly worrying wouldn't oh. it <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> uh, so what's the verdict well the, we the verdict I think is is waiting he's... to hear what Randy says is the outcome because you know, if he if he turns around and says, "Well, look, okay, okay, I can do it, but I'm going to be at least an hour," then we've got an hour to do two episodes, and we rattle through it as quickly as we can, and and let him get away. If he turns around and says, "I'm sorry, they've said, you know, I've got to go in straight away," then um... no, he's he works from home, so he's on it right now. Oh right, okay. Oh, so he's so he's dealing with a with a with an issue that may mm-hmm. take a while or may be dealt with very quickly. Yeah, I'm listening, trying to hear how oh, somebody. F- yeah, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> Are you okay? No, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah no, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> it's all right. See? I've, got, I've got a condition called peripheral neuropathy, and I get occasional shooting uh, pains oh. in my hands and feet. Oh. And, uh, that I know was what a, that, that is. That, that was a good one. <laughs> <sighs> Tell you what, it's just as well you've only got one testicle because at least that's one thing left to have it in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? Oh, I, I, I swear for a pastime, it's my it's my shtick on Twitter. I mean, if I'm... any doctor would swear and control it, it would be this one. Yeah. Well, in theory, it would be Capaldi, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Considering uh, his Malcolm uh, Tucker uh, persona. <laughs> I'll just lean to the left. I always go to one side. I'll just lean to the left for a while. <laughs> so probably does Darren these days. <laughs> yeah, I swing to the left all the time. <laughs> you swing to the left too. Are you anywhere close? Are you guys anywhere close to being done? No, I'm no, I'm I'm happy to hang around for a bit longer and wait to see what happens with Randy to see if we can at least do one episode. All right, well, I'm going to drop, and if you guys uh, if yeah. you record, give me a call back. Yeah, okay, Derek. Bye. All right, cheers. Bye. Bye, Derek. Congratulations on everything. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I've heard Shakespeare coming up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it'll Bye. either be or it won't be. That's right. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah. All right. Uh, and on that note... <laughs> <laughs> you can't, Bye, you can't thanks. follow that. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> the universe just uh, doesn't want Twin Dilemma in it anymore. <laughs> I guess it's, it's decided that once was quite enough. And Black Orchid, and you know, a lot, a lot of people. That's a just... smashing episode. It's a nice little episode. It's, it's, it's never going to go down as 
you know an all-time classic i don't think because it's um it's one it's very short um and two it's it's not particularly doctor who it's um no, it it is a it's a pure historical, but it's not it's even a period a, piece. Yeah, it's a period. Yeah, that's it. It's a period piece more than a historical. So there's no, you know, there's no monster or there's no there's not even really a villain in it. It's just it's a. See, I mean, I, I like that, and I remember liking it at the time. Mm. Um, and what well, I mean that must have on this. What would I have been? When did when did it go out? Eighty two. Eighty two. It would have been yeah. So I would have been 69, 79. 13? 13, yeah. Mm. But I, I mean, even at 13, I remember absolutely loving that one. It was one that stood out in my in my mind for a long time. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know I, don't know why. It just made I mean, me like that story. I mean, obviously, you know, any, any one of us can particularly love or particularly not love any particular story. There's probably oh, yeah. stuff that... that that I would rave about that a lot of other people wouldn't and, and vice versa. But just going on the sort of the, the polls and the general, the general opinion, if you like, amongst, uh, amongst fans as to what constitutes a good story or not, the ones that, that don't come out as high on the list, uh, which we've done, uh, some of them are, you know, are very, very good that we've done. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, they, I mean that's true. There are there there are stories that are widely regarded as the worst stories of all time, and I mean, uh, Twin Dilemma is probably the best example of that. Yeah, and it's a story I really like. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Um, time, time in the Rani, and I love it. Uh, time in the Rani, yeah, that's a cracking yeah. episode. Time, time flight, I think. Time Lash, I love Time Lash. Time flight, time. Time worry. flight, absolutely love time. Time flight. crash. Time. A time Warrior is an absolutely time flash, time lash. Yeah, that one. Um, time Warrior is a smashing episode. A time Warrior is an absolute belter. Yeah, um, but there's there is this there is this almost sort of opinion that if it's a Doctor Who story with time in the title, then it's not going to be. It's not very good. It doesn't hold out. But you do have time flight, time lash, um, time of the Doctor. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of people don't like end of time as well, which is which is um, bizarre. But you've got time meddler, you've got the time warrior. Um, you know, one of my personal favourites is Invasion of Time. I know that it's got its, its oh its, hallelujah! Its I absolutely love that story. It was for many, 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 many years. It was my second favourite story of all time. Um, I always liked the idea of. You know the doctor pretending to be the bad guy, and and mm. those, those few episodes where you didn't quite know what was going on. I always liked the Gallifrey story. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I thought yeah. you, you had the you had the end of episode four when suddenly the Sontarans were there. That surprise ending, and I, I literally leapt out of my chair when I watched that the first time. I went, Sontarans, Sontarans. <laughs> the screen it's like oh my god this was amazing it was that complete shock ending because you didn't know anything back in those days you didn't hear what was going to happen on episodes you just knew the story was coming out and you found out about it as it went on and that was it no i mean i, I remember when earth shock went to air and my god that was uh oh, the, 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 the shock of the earth 
uh, of the Cybermen. Cybermen. Uh, yeah. Um, and then the shock of Ad- Adric's death. Yeah. You know, whatever you whatever you think of Adric, um, yeah. killing off a companion in such a brutal manner was, <clears throat> yeah, you know, quite phenomenal for the ages. It was it was a genius idea. I didn't know about the um, the fact that Adric was being killed off. I did unfortunately get spoiled for the Cybermen because I used to do a paper round, and um, the episodes went out on. I think was it Tuesday and Wednesday at the time, or Tuesday and Thursday, and <clears throat> or uh, I think it was that. Well, it was either Monday or Tuesday or Tuesday and Thursday. It was something like that. But I um, I do remember that the um, I was delivering the the day that the episode went out, the Radio Times for the for the following week, um. and they didn't. No, it, it yeah, it would have been for the following week. And um, and they didn't say anything the first week at all. They kept it very quiet because obviously it was a week in advance and people would have found out. But the second week, they did a back page thing about, yay, the Cybermen are back. And and I always, as I went around, I used to read, you know, I used to read the papers on the round. I used to flick through the papers and I used to, particularly the Radio Times, because it was like, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, let's see what the, rest, the letters page has got to say in case there's anything about Doctor Who and... And you, you turn to the back page, and it's like, bloody hell, the Cybermen are back. Oh. So that was probably just before my time when I mm. used to do the newspapers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, so I'm, I'm three years older I, than you, so that's, that's, the, that's the, the difference. Yeah, I dodged that <laughs> one. So, I'm, um, you know, really annoyed because I, I absolutely bloody love Earthshock. It's one of my favourite stories, um, mm. you know, in and or in or around my top ten, definitely. And had I had that surprise at the end of episode one, which obviously I'd experienced through you know, three or four years previously with the Sontarans and Invasion of Time, then it may very well have propelled that to um, much higher up on the list. Um, you know, it probably would have been my second favourite story, I would imagine, because it was such a good story. Uh, which one is your favourite? City of Death. Ah, right. Yeah, makes sense. It's good City story. of Death. Yeah, <laughs> it's an absolutely phenomenal story. Yeah, um, I think I, I think mine would probably be Seeds of Doom. Seeds um, of Doom is a belter. <clears throat> probably closely followed by Horror of Fang Rock. Yeah, Horror of Fang Rock is is one that is crept up in my estimation as time has gone on. I've always liked it. But I think the more you the more you see it, the the better it gets. It, it yeah. stands the test of time very well. It's an incredibly atmospheric, claustrophobic story. Yes, yeah, um, with a very high death count as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that one I have not seen. I think that's oh, the only time a, I have oh, seen. Oh, it's a smashing story. It's officially perfect first, for Halloween. It's officially the first of the Graham Williams era, but realistically, it's still it's still a Hinchcliffe era Hinchcliffe, story. Really, uh... <coughs> excuse me. Um, I'm very much a, a Hinchcliffe era bod. Um, so many, of uh, my, likewise, my favourite yeah. stories are up there. They're you know they're they're all hovering around the the top sort of twenty thirty stories. But that um, that that said, I I, I have mm. an enormous affinity for the the third doctor era yes um, my, oh yes my first memory of doctor who was 
the giant spider on Sarah's back. Right. Um, so I really grew up with Tom Baker as the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I had was... that sort of memory of, of John Pertwee seared in my mind. And, yeah. and there's just something about it. It's just such a wonderful combination. Um, you know, uh, Nick Courtney, yeah. uh, Roger Delgado, Katie Manning and Pertwee and all the others. It's just, it just it just nails it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they hit upon a formula. There's a there's a there's a a, a a common belief that it was you know, the first few years of this of the show was quite experimental. They were trying to work out what they needed to do. It, it, it sort of veered down various different directions. Obviously we spent a long time going historical sci-fi historical sci-fi historical sci-fi um and i think season five when with the trout era with all the monsters um that kind of showed exactly the way that they needed to go so the historicals kind of died out at that point um they realized that the monsters were the way to go um you know the base under siege thing really kind of took hold Mm. um um, season six was a little bit sort of up and down in that respect. Season seven, we had the the new regime took over with uh, um, Let's and Dicks, and uh, the series the, the season had pretty much been sort of shaped already by Derek Sherwin, with the whole unit idea and the Doctor being confined to Earth and definitely going sort of more hard hitting and sort of Avengers ish. Um, but then when when uh, Barry Letts and Terence Dix kind of got their head around what they needed to do and they hit upon the idea of bringing the Master in. Season 8 is probably where you could say that Doctor Who as we know it today really sort of formed. And Yeah, so, I can't, so can't really that, disagree with that. For that reason, you have to say that the Pertwee era is tremendously significant. Um, you know, despite the fact that obviously, you know, Hartnell started it all off and Troughton with coming in and, you know, making the idea of the regeneration work mm. um, and then having all the, the monsters and, you know, the Yetis and the Ice Warriors and making the Cybermen, you know, become as popular as they did. Um, obviously did a lot to that, but it was it was... <clears throat> Doctor Who in the way that we kind of know it today, with the possible exception of the fact that it was set predominantly on Earth, was really, you know, born in season eight. Yeah. As such. And since then it's followed pretty much the same format all the way through. Um my earliest memory is um is the Sea Devils. Oh, um, I love that story. I'm not sure if it was the original transmission or they used to uh, they used to uh, occasionally they would repeat episodes and <clears throat> there was one there was one summer where the cricket was rained off and they put on the sea they put on the sea devils and they possibly put on something else as well um and I definitely remember watching that but that would probably have been 73 74 when that happened um so the the first thing I can say definitely that I remember is the gel guards from the three doctors do remember oh, right. them yeah. and, and planet of the Daleks. I definitely remember 
the uh, the Spyrodons and the whole Planet of the Daleks thing, and then <clears throat> Green Death. I remember being the, f- I think it was episode four, the first episode that I knew that I'd missed because we went out somewhere, and I was only young at the time, um, seven. Um, so um, you know, I didn't I didn't get a lot of say if we were, if we were out somewhere and, it, and it, we missed it, we missed it, and that's what happened back in the day. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, because there was no recording. There was no recording ability, right? No. I think my yeah. my fondest memory of it is, is Genesis of the Daleks, which is a, a pretty yeah. obvious a story. But um, it was the first story my nan and granddad had color television. Oh, what is it? Um, and we only had black and white back then. Yeah. And uh, I think I think it was the Omnibus Christmas Special they did. They did a. Um, a shortened combined yeah. version. And I remember trudging up to my nan and granddad's with my parents in about three feet of snow. It was, yeah. the, it was in that um, awful winter. I think it was, was it 76, maybe. Um, I know that uh, the summer of 76 was an absolute corker. I can't, I don't remember if the winter the, was the, particularly bad. There was, there was a, was a <clears throat> I know there was a God awful winter and we trudged up to my nan and granddad's. Yeah. So that I could watch Doctor Who in colour for the very first time in my life, and it was absolutely <laughs> incredible. Yeah, which is kind of and weird. It still really. took my parents three years to buy a bloody colour TV after that. Yeah, but the weird thing about that is, with Genesis being your first story, it's not actually a very colourful story at all. No, it's not. Not terribly. There's not. No, the, the Daleks are black. The, the uniforms are sort of black and grey. The, the scientists yeah. wear white. The, um, the the bunker is grey. The planet is sort of, you know, it's rock coloured. It's a quarry. So beige. Yeah. yeah. So beige. There's, there's very, very little colour in the Genesis of the Daleks. So it's quite an ironic thing to see as your first colour episode. Yeah. I mean, there is, obviously, you know, they've got the Doctor's costume and Harry's jacket and things like that, you know, but it's not, it's not. It wouldn't be the same if it was in black and white, but it, it's the things, it's that, things really like seeing not... the doctor's scarf in color. I mean, that was, that was amazing. Because mm. um, I mean, I tell you, I mean, we you you used to have to go around the back and fart around with the horizontal pole. Oh god, cold. yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Cheers. And then you sat there watching it, and a bloody great big black line descends across yeah. the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ah. <sighs> god, games. black and white. I remember this. My very yeah, first colour. Now um, we sit watching television on things that are two inches thick and fifty-five inches wide. It's, yeah, I know. It's yeah, quite as opposed to the other way round. Yeah, well, they used to be two inches wide and fifty-five inches thick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I was in X-ray school, they said you will never have filmless X-ray ever in your life. This is that will be after your lifetime. We have CRT all over. Yeah, it's all filmless, mm. and now they have like for for fingers and and extremities, all it is is a cassette, boom, transmits to the computer, done. If you happen to make it a little too dark, the doctor goes in and lightens it. If he yeah. wants it darker, he can bring it down. <laughs> we used to have to reshoot, so there were things that you had to get dark. Mm but not too dark. And it was just, it was extremely touchy and it depended on, 
on the size of their skull and it depended on the, um, the thickness of their skull, which is very difficult to tell at certain ages. Now they just go, eh, now let's just bump that up a little bit. Mm. Blows me away. And so, and then to be able to look at it on your phone that you're holding miles away from where you're working and then respond, yeah, that looks okay. Do this, do that, do this. Yeah. Blows me away. And like my very first colored TV that I ever saw was at a hotel. Mm. And it was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> Which did have color in it. <laughs> Which it did. Yeah. <clears throat> and that was 19, probably, was it 1965? So it was yeah. really, really, it was like one of the, very rare to see a color TV. Usually it was in a, in yeah. a hotel or it was a nice hotel. Yeah, I was going to say, I think my grandparents probably got their color TV in about 1971, 72. Yeah. Uh, Same. When I, I was probably only about three years old when they got that. <clears throat> oh, God, I feel old. So, <laughs> I mean, we had a black and white telly up until about, oh, probably about 78, 79, something mm. like that. Um, we had a little black and white portable. We, we, we changed the color because my dad worked for Sweb. Southwestern Electricity Board. So, <clears throat> so we were we were usually quite quite up to date with um, with the the electronic equipment. And I certainly uh-huh. uh, certainly seventy two seventy three. We definitely had a color television then. I know for a fact. But I had a little fourteen inch, twelve twelve inch, or possibly even a twelve inch black and white portable set, which um, which had one of those. Uh, circular aerials that pl- plugged into the back that you had to move. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Around. So it didn't. It, you know, you could obviously connect it up to the the aerial socket in the wall, but it came with its own little portable aerial on the top of it. <clears throat> and um, and I used to um, I used to occasionally watch stuff in there when there was stuff going. You know, other things going on in the other room. So I did see some episodes in black and white. I I remember that we. I can't remember if we either took this with this set with us or we went to um, some friends of my parents' house down in Salt Ash in 1980 um, when the, uh, the, the first episode for oh, um, Leisure Hive came on. And I definitely remember watching episode one and possibly even episode two for that in black and white. Wow. Um, which just seems bizarre now to think that <clears throat> that was the case. Yeah, I mean, and, and as for VCR, I mean, it must have been years <laughs> before we jumped on that bandwagon because mm. I remember I used to go to my best friend's house at the time and we used to record all the um, uh, Bugs Bunny and yeah. stuff like that and, and um, other stuff as well, like QED, a guy to Armageddon. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. The <coughs> horrifying thing about nuclear war. Yes. And I, I used to take all these Betamax videotapes home and then I'd have bugger all to play them on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice to see another Betamax, uh, Betamax user. We were Betamax. Yeah, he had a Sony C7 and it was, it was the yeah. most incredible machine, you know, yeah. for the time. Wow. We, uh, we got ours in, in 82. Uh, I know it was the tail end of 82 because I, 
I'm a big Formula One fan, and and I recorded um, the 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 last race of the season, the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Um, so I can you know kind of date it from somewhere around there. But they did um, as they did back in in those days. They always repeated two Doctor Who stories. So the first two stories that I ever had on uh, on video were Kinder and Visitation, which is quite early, really, for stuff being videoed. Yeah, <laughs> yes, very much. Unfortunately, I was just too late to get the five faces of Doctor Who, which is a shame because that would have been nice to have had uh, to have had one, you know one story at least one story from each Doctor on mm. on VHS oh, on uh, on video. Sorry, but. Uh, um, what I what I did do because I I properly got into the show in Pertwee's last year. Um, I was mad keen on dinosaurs, as I think most kids were at some point in their lives. Yeah, and um, and I was growing, you know, more and more into Doctor Who, and um, the tenth Radio Times tenth anniversary special came out. Uh, that that my mum bought for me, and you know I looked through this, and they had a, they did a season guide, for each of the seasons that had been out, but they did a preview of the upcoming season, which was season eleven. I've and still of course, got a copy of it. And of course, Invasion of the Dinosaurs was on it, and it was like, oh god, they're doing a dinosaur story! Wow, brilliant! And I think it was the anticipation of that that <coughs> tipped me over the edge into probably being a. A fan, a real fan. That's that's still one of my all-time favourite mm. stories. I think it's fantastic. I don't <laughs> care a, about the effects. A, around about the same time, the goodies also did a story which which had a dinosaur in it, where they oh, they, yes. they they fell through the floor of their 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 um, pad, and there was a Tyrannosaurus Rex asleep at the bottom of it, and they ended up they were inside it or something like that. Oh my god, I'd forgotten <laughs> all about that. Mm. And it was around about the same time, um, and and so you know I watched I watched this this season and you know loved all of it and then obviously Tom took over, um, and we obviously you couldn't record stories back in the day but I started audio recording them so I, I my first audio recording was Robot. It's funny you should oh, say that. Wow. The, the, the first audio recording I made was Black Orchid. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> And, and I've still got the tape. And I I thought, you know, oh, I'm the only person who's doing this. But it was astonishing how many people used to do this. Mm. <laughs> the, the only problem I had was that I only had three tapes or something stupid like this. Um, so you could record six episodes and then that was that. <laughs> you, were, you were stuck. Ah. <laughs> and I gradually accumulated tapes as time went on. Um, but... Obviously, I'd I'd get I'd get six weeks in, and then I'd have to record over something. So, um, I didn't have I didn't have anything from season twelve apart from the fact they did a, a an omnibus an omnibus edition of Sontaran Experiment, um, which fitted on the C ninety and and made me think. Oh, actually, I could actually get. Uh, I could get two episodes on one tape here if I was if I was clever, but um, you know I didn't have the facility to do anything about that to start with. So I always used to it was always recording one episode per side of the tape, um, 
So I had, I don't think I had anything from season 13, but I, I, I definitely had stuff from season 14. I had most of Mask of Mandragora, but the final episode as no the first episode sorry i i had to record over <clears throat> but what what tended to happen back then is every now and again you'd have a problem with the tape recorder and um i had a problem with um hand of fear the the second part of ha- the the last episode of hand of fear um went incredibly quiet and you couldn't actually hear it and there's a similar thing happened to episode four of deadly assassin as well but i kept these and so season 14, which I recorded all the way up to the first couple of episodes of Talons, which I didn't particularly like at the time. I, you know, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, to me, in my mind, it wasn't as good as the stories that had gone before it. So I stopped recording them at that point because I thought, I don't want to record over Mask of Andragor or Hand of Fear or Deadly Assassin, you know, to record this. So I'd rather keep those. And, and so I stopped until... And, and- and 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 uh, uh, Wang Chang has become so iconic nowadays. It has. Well, it it has. It, uh, but it, now the tide is turning, isn't it? Because of the racist element of it, and people yeah. are turning against it, which is which seems bizarre, really, when for so long it was lauded as you know the best or one of the very best stories, um, and it is. It's it's extraordinarily good. There's still a part of me that. That, that you know doesn't want to put it very high up on the list because of the way I felt about it at the time, and I have to admit that from all the stories from season fourteen, which is my favourite season of all of Doctor Who, it's still bottom of the list of stories. I prefer every other story in that season. Fair enough. It's my least favourite story of season fourteen, but it's still highly rated because it's a Hinchcliffe home story, and it, it's you know it's up there. And I, and I think the thing that I, I love it for so much is that after 40 years, it gave us Jago and Lightfoot on Big Finish. I mean, yeah. people have thought that two characters from a yeah. story from the 70s, two elderly gentlemen, would go on to have, what was it, uh, was it 13 seasons? They did? Oh, it's a it's ridiculous amount. Yeah. Time. And would have been still been going now had, um, had, had yeah. Trevor Baxter not died. They were so loved. I mean, and, and their stories are cracking. Mm. Easily the best sp- uh, spin-off that Big Finish have done. Well, it's the one that had been cried out for for years, hasn't it? I mean, it, it was it was almost done at the time. It was almost put forward as as a spin-off story after Talons went out because. Uh, it was such a well-written story. The dialogue in it was so was so clever, and they they would they just captured the public's imagination. Yeah. Um, and for years and years and years, people were saying, "Oh, we should have had a Jago and Lightfoot series. We should have had a uh, you know a spin-off series with those two. Because that, um, if I understand <laughs> rightly, that was planned instead of the Canine and Company. <clears throat> it was. Yeah, I think the only thing that went against it at that point was the fact that it had been so long since they'd been on, and Canine had been so massively popular mm. um, that it was, and and you know, and been axed, and they the whole the Sun Bring Back Canine campaign. The, they thought, well, if we're going to do a spin-off, the logical thing to do is with the character that everybody's clamouring to come back. <laughs> so let's do this. And if we're going to 
bring back Kane Island, then obviously somebody has to come back with it. Well, who's the most popular companion that we've had? Oh, it's Tom Baker's era. Obviously, it's Sarah Jane Smith, which yeah. makes sense because you can you can put the two together. It wouldn't have, you, you couldn't have done it with Leela. <clears throat> Romana had just been left behind in e-space, so that didn't make any sense. So you, you went back to the most sensible, recent companion that had been tremendously popular, and that was Sarah Jane Smith. Not quite the right storyline to launch a series, unfortunately. No. It was good. I liked Canine and Company. I thought it was good. I do. It was I, good, I, I, but... don't, I don't think it's as bad as people <laughs> no. would say. And, and I, mean, and, I mean, that's another joyous <clears throat> thing that Liz Sladen got. Uh, oh, absolutely. Her own series, you know, in, when yeah. she was in her 60s. Yeah. Um, just on the back of School Reunion. Yeah. And, you know, she she ran for five seasons until she passed away. And, yeah. you know, just to see the companion that I grew up with yeah. 40 years later yeah. being absolutely adored by kids. Uh, and and just... barely looking any different, which was bizarre. Ah, uh, she, she was wonderful. I can't speak highly enough mm. of Miss Sladen. I wish I'd met her. Yeah, I only fleetingly met her at Longleat in 83. I... I would take fleetingly. I <coughs> yeah. would have loved, I mean, this, loved was, this really was fleetingly. She was she was dressed in the um, as a five doctors outfit, I think. And um, she and Peter Davison came past going to the signing, and uh, and I I didn't even get to speak to her, but you know she was there right in front of me, and that was the closest I ever got, which is a shame because I've I've met quite a lot of people since then. And uh, and it would have been nice to have met her. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I, think uh, I, I I met Nick Courtney in um. Oh, what would it have been about? It was the fortieth anniversary of the show. Yeah. Uh so what was that? Ninety two thousand three. Two thousand three. That would have been the fortieth. Ninety three would have been the thirtieth anniversary. It must. Have, it must have been the thirtieth. <coughs> or maybe it was. Maybe it was the thirty fifth. I can't, my, my yeah. memory's yeah. not what it was, but I, I met Nick Courtney, um, that's where I met Tom Baker. I haven't met Tom Baker yet, I've seen him, I've seen him live on stage, I have conversed with him via letter back in the day when he was the Doctor, um, invited, him oh, to wow. my, invited him to my 10th birthday party and he said unfortunately he wasn't able to come, but um, yeah, I had two or three letters from him. Uh, or postcards from him, which uh, which he'd written on. Um, That's nice. Which is nice, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> the only the only other doctor I've met is John Pertwee. Um, uh, yeah, and I saw him do a, a live um, sort of autobiographical show, much like John's. Oh right, show, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Talking, talking about his career, and then he did uh, meet and greet and sign. Well, right. Um, afterwards, where you could buy a photo for three quid that went to charity, and, yeah. and he'd sign it, and and, and he was lovely. Uh, and it was a very, very entertaining evening. Yeah, I believe it. Um, I believe it because he'd done it, he'd done an awful lot, hadn't he? Yeah, I mean he did all the voices and <clears> things <throat> like from the Navy Lark and Russell yeah. Gummidge, things like that. And you know, it's it was such a good evening. Yeah, and I think it was probably only about less than a year after yeah. that that he passed away. <laughs> yeah, I I met Pertwee twice. Obviously, he um, when he was doing Wurzel Gummidge, they had the um, the Eunice Stubbs character came on. It was no, sorry, no, I tell you, Eunice Stubbs was Aunt Sally, um, but Barbara Windsor was in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, as uh, um, she was the um, the, uh, mast, a fig- the a figurehead, the figurehead from, of yeah. the boat, 
yeah, yeah. And the, the boat was the Golden Hind, and the Golden Hind is in Brixham. And so they filmed an episode in Brixham, which is where I live. And so I went down to see what was going on. And John Pertwee was there in full Wilson Gummidge outfit. <clears throat> and I'd, um, oh, wow. I'd broken my arm or fractured my arm anyway um, in a cricketing incident at school. And um, so my arm was in a cast. And I asked John Pertwee if he'd signed the cast. And he said, I'm, I'm very sorry, but I can't because he had the twigs in his fingers and he couldn't hold a pen. <laughs> Barbara Windsor signed it and and that was um that was in itself quite an amazing experience because um, Saucy Nancy. That's, that's the one. She yeah. She was in she was in full costume and she's a tiny, tiny little thing and even even at that age where which would I would have been uh, I don't know, eleven, twelve, thirteen, something like that. Thirteen, fourteen possibly, uh, push. And I was much taller than she was. And so she sort of came in quite close to me to sign the to sign the arm, uh, and I looked down, and I could see the ground through her cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember remember thinking, oh, that's interesting, because <laughs> the the, the boob stuck out so much, and there was a gap between you could literally see the ground between the cleavage. <laughs> oh, uh, that was quite my fun. God. I briefly met Troughton at Longleat. At oh, the bloody hell! He came out with uh, a load of postcards which he'd signed, and I managed to get one of the postcards. So I've got Troughton's autograph. Um, oh wow! Which is yeah, um, but I never properly saw him. You know, it was um, he he was doing his signing, and he came out with these things, and they were handed out to people. Um, never got a chance to speak to him or what have you. <clears throat> met Davison a few times. Um, met Colin several times. Met, met Sylvester two or three times. Met Paul McGann. The only new series doctor that I've met in, in the most fleeting sense is David Tennant. Um, when he was um, he was performing um, Love's Labour's Lost at the um, at the Globe. Oh right. And went to see that. And he'd um, he he did this this where you you sit in the audience and the the stage is in the middle of the audience in the middle. And um, and he did this bit where he sort of squatted down on, onto his haunches, um, and he happened to have his back to us at the time, and he noticed that his his trousers split. <laughs> <laughs> so I made so we stood outside afterwards, waiting for waiting for autographs, and there was a massive throng of people. It was like nothing you'd ever had whenever you went to a you know, a performance where there'd been a Doctor or a Doctor Who person taking place. Just these, this throng of people. And he started at one end and he worked his way as far across as he could and never got as far as, as us, so didn't actually get a chance to, to get his autograph. That's um, but I did make make a comment of the fact that, you know, he'd um, he'd split his trousers and 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 he just sort of turned around and went, "Stop it!" <laughs> so at least I could, at least I could say I've spoken to David Tennant, even if I've not properly met him. But yeah, none of the others since. Uh, my friend Sam, um, somebody I, I I got to know through Twitter, he works in the bowling alley in Cardiff. Oh right. Um, and uh, he's he's a huge Doctor Who fan. He does a lot of Doctor Who artwork. Uh, right. Very good. And um, Jodie Whittaker came into his bowling alley. Sweet. And so he's got some lovely photos of him with yeah. Jodie. And, you know, he's, he's still never gotten over it, I don't think. 
Yeah, well, I can uh, imagine. Of, of the new era of doctors, I've, I've not met any. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's odd, really, because there's possibly a better chance of meeting them. You know, because of the, uh, you, you kind of, you know, you know where it's going to be filmed, and yeah, I suppose, I suppose they're not doing other things. This is the thing with meeting the other doctors. They're, you know, they do take, they do do um, stage plays and things these days, and so you can actually get to, you know, like like John's show. So you can actually go to something like that yeah. and get the benefit of seeing seeing them and having a word and getting a photograph and an autograph without having to go to a convention and pay a small fortune for it. So. Mm. Uh, top of top of my list to meet really is Colin Baker now because I, I, because of Big Finish, I think mainly. Yeah, I, I have a real affinity for his Doctor. Uh, yes, I think he's seriously underrated. Yes, he is very much underrated, and the, the, the biggest problem that, that Colin had was he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Or the, the right place at the wrong time. Yeah, he just got dealt um, with crap scripts. and It wasn't, it really he was, wasn't. He was treated like rubbish. Yeah. I mean, you know, I liked all of his stories. I, there's not a Doctor Who story that I haven't liked. You know, when I say something's rubbish, it's basically that that's relating to the rest of the two other stories. Outcomes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, but I, I, you know, Time Lash is my least favourite story of the entire run. But I would rather watch Time Lash than most of the other stuff that's been on TV. Yeah. So yeah, mine would. You know, Paradise it's all Towers. it's all it's all relative. Yeah. Um, but I'll take Paradise Towers over most things any day. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I'm surprised. Colin's quite an easy person to meet, really, because he's he's always going to conventions and things, and he's very approachable. I, I, have you conversed with him on Twitter at all? Uh, yes, I have spoken to him on Twitter. Um, I just don't get out to conventions much due to my health. Yeah, no, sure, sure. Um, and I'd, I'd love to meet Katie because I'm I'm very good friends with her on Twitter. Yes, um, <laughs> yeah, so no, I, I've never. I've never met her in person. I have I have spoken to her on Twitter. Uh, she did she did write a few words for my blog, which I was chuffed about. Um, you know, since then I've I've got to know her a little, not as well as say John, but yeah, um, she is absolutely lovely. Yes, she's, she's the the nuttiest, sweetest, sweetest person you could ever <laughs> wish to meet. Oh, she's a, she's to. a force of nature. Absolutely, there's no question she is. about that. She's amazing. Mm. Uh, no, I've been. I mean, I've been incredibly fortunate when it comes to to meeting people because um, a friend of mine was for a while the um, film and TV reviewer for Radio Devon, and he took it on to himself to try and meet as many Doctor Who people as possible. The idea being that he was interviewing them for the uh, the, the radio and he doesn't drive, so he'd say to me, Oh well, you know, can you you know, can you drive us to so and so and so and so so <clears throat> So we went out and we met so many people. Been to Barry Letts's house. Oh blimey. Um not long before he died. Met uh, Terence Dix, Christopher Benjamin, Gabriel Wolfe Paul McGann through through doing that. That was actually um, in Bristol when he was doing a show. But we'd made an arrangement to um, to you know meet him in his dressing room and 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 interview him. Carolyn John, Jeffrey Beavers, Peter Purvis went to Peter Purvis's house. Good Peter Purvis, yeah, got quite friendly with Peter Purvis actually. I I asked him because I was doing a a fanzine at the time, 
and um, I think Sue's gone. <laughs> it does sound rather like it. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? This is tremendous. Tremendous. I'm still recording this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this would make an excellent episode. It would. Yeah, no, I was doing a, I was doing a, a, a fanzine at the time, so I asked if I could um, if I could ask him some questions via email. So we conversed via email, and uh, and then when we started doing the podcast, I I asked if he'd do some cameos and stuff for us, and. Uh, <laughs> It's such, such is the riveting conversation that we're having. So most of the most of the famous people I've met are outside of the Doctor Who. Yeah. Thing you know, I've, I've met um, I've met most of my heroes. I've met David Attenborough. Oh, cool. Uh, which is probably one of the best uh, that I've ever met. I've met Billy Connolly. Oh, nice, nice. Um, that was amazing. I had a beer with Billy Connolly. That was amazing. Yeah. We went and saw him November the 5th, 1987. And I can remember the date because uh, it was bonfire night. And he came out on the stage and he said, Jesus, I know Weymouth's a shit hole, but they're out there setting fire in the f***ing place. <laughs> and then he did a, we went backstage afterwards uh, and we were looking around to see if we could get an autograph. And this security guard came out and he said, you're not allowed back here. And a big booming voice came out and said, oh, f*** off. Let them in. <laughs> and so it was about 12 of us and we all went in and we had, we had a buffet with Billy and wow. you know, he gave us all beers and signed all our programmes and it was, he was amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. He it was, it was, it was a lovely, lovely guy to meet. We, uh, we uh, John and I went for a drink with Nick Courtney um, having, having, met oh, him, wow. having met him for the interview. This was in London. Um, the obvious question afterwards was, um, "Would you like a drink, Nick?" Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't say no, and Nick would never say no to a drink. So went to a pub and then spent uh, spent an hour or so with with Nick having a drink there. That was uh, that was very nice. <clears throat> yeah, I'll bet. Um, Lisa Bowerman, she's lovely. Met her uh, a couple of times. Oh wow! I used to play Scrabble with Lisa Bowerman on Facebook. <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah. I used to play Scrabble with her a lot. She doesn't got time to do it these days. She's way too busy. But uh, Nick Briggs know quite well. Nick Briggs came down to when uh, John had a shop in Exmouth, a sci-fi shop. Um, and he came down to the opening because we met him at the Devon County show. He'd, he'd, arrange, he'd agreed to come down. And this was oof, 2007, 2008, something like that. And, um, and he came down on the train. Uh, which went as far as Exeter um, and needed to get from Exeter to Exmouth. So I, so I said, well, I'll pick you up. And this was on, this was on a bank holiday weekend and the traffic was horrendous and it took us an hour and a half to get from Exeter to Exmouth. So for an hour, an hour and a half, I was stuck in a car with Nick Briggs and, oh, wow. uh, <clears throat> and it was very pleasant. And then obviously took him back again afterwards. So I spent an awful lot of time with, with Nick. It's on my old phone but I had his I had his phone number. I used to send him a text every now and again. And um, right, we my wife and myself um, went to 
West Bay, I think it is. Oh yes, yeah. Where they film Broadchurch, and yeah, and, and, Broadchurch, and this yeah. this is where Nick lives. Nick and Chris Chibnall actually both live in West Bay, and um, oh really? So yeah, so um, I thought about this roof, after mate. I thought about this after after I after we we got there and thought, oh idiot, I should have said something to Nick about it, and um, oh I've got his tech, I've got his phone number. Oh shit, it's not on my phone now. Bugger. Uh, uh, oh right. So well, I sent, so I sent him a message on Facebook, and um, he was obviously out at the time, and then responded afterwards and said, "Oh, sorry, I was I was out, um, uh, but I wasn't there today anywhere." So well, never mind. It was just you know I was there. I thought it was worth asking. <clears throat> so yeah, Nick's a lovely chap. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to him a couple of times on Twitter. Um, mm. uh, not at length. Yeah, you know, he's always been very nice to me. I I, I spoke to. Um, I've got a happy birthday from Trevor Baxter. Oh yes, bless. Um, on on Twitter, which was uh, lovely, um, and got a reply to it from him from when I wished him. I think it was his 80th birthday. Yeah. Um. So I've spoken to him a couple of times, and he was, he's an absolute. He was an absolutely lovely man. Yes. Yes. Would have would have loved to have met him, and um, and um. What's his name? Uh... <laughs> She's still going. <laughs> Christopher um... Benjamin. <laughs> Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, we went to Christopher. We went to Christopher Benjamin's house. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and um, and and interviewed him. Um, he was he was a he was a lovely chap. Uh, Michael Kilgariff as well went to his house. Chris oh, Achille, yeah. Chris Achilleos, um had a had a meeting in the studio in London with Noel Clark again for one of oh, his yeah. interviews. Jan Chapel, Ben Aronovich, Robert Vaughan, believe it or not. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yeah, that was that was quite a coup actually meeting Robert Vaughan yeah, um, who else was there uh, oh yeah this was a good one um, uh, an arrangement was made um, to go to Cardiff to um, to interview Graham Harper and he had he had like a, a rented house that he was staying so we went to this house and sp- spent about three hours there talking to Graham Harper he was fascinating Blimey. <clears throat> one of the best ones was um, Stuart Fell, who was. Oh yeah, and uh, he was absolutely fascinating. His recall was unbelievable. We were there. For, I swear, we were there for five hours with Stuart Fell. Um, <clears throat> went into his house, and he had this lovely house down near Bournemouth. And he came in. His wife said hello, and he came out. Oh yes, hello, hello. Oh yes, come with me, and took us into this sort of conservatory area where he had this big photo album. And he said, "Oh, I, I thought you might like to see this." And it was all photos of the various things he'd done through the years, which included him in Indiana Jones and Roger Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And, and he would tell us a little story about every photo. Good grief. And would you, was, excuse me, just one second. I've just yeah. got to go for a pain. Yeah, sure. That won't be a sec. Here, on the island of Skype, if you listen very carefully, you can hear 
the lesser-spotted cook. This is the female of the species. And the sleeping noises made by the lesser-spotted cook are extensive and impressive. Let's just listen very carefully and see if we can hear this amazing creature. No, it, it would appear that the... Oh, wait, I thought the creature had died, but apparently not. certain circumstances the the female of the cook species can make these noises for several hours at a time <laughs> I've been doing a documentary <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're going to play this back to her oh of course <laughs> and here we hear the sound of the water buffalo as it sleeps <laughs> In the ground, quite peacefully, snoring away. <laughs> I am not a good impressionist. <laughs> that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad at all. Oh, you, sorry, you were on Stuart Pell. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was a it was a huge house that he had, and he was a street entertainer. He um, he a jester effectively. He'd studied you know, all the acrobatics and what have you. And he he was the man who came up with the idea of taking a ball, cutting a ball in half, and then taking the left-hand side and the right-hand side, swapping them round, and getting this little thing that you you um, you sort of balance between two sticks. Oh, the, um, what are they called? Uh... Yeah. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, um, I can't think what it's called myself at the minute, but but that was it basically. It's it's he he in created that, and as a result of that, that bought his house. Bloody hell! Yeah, <clears throat> um, did not know that. Yeah, and uh, and so obviously he was, um, you know, he was very successful at, at what he did with the the whole tumbling and the the, the juggling and and the gesturing that he did, and uh, he did a lot of charity work. For the um, Diablo, Diablo, that's it, yeah, Diablo. Um, and it was for one of the the royal celebrations, and he was involved in doing that. Uh, this would have been, oof, I can't think when it was. It must have been in the early nineties, I suppose. And he was doing this thing where he was he was on stilts. So he was he was juggling and doing stuff, you know, on stilts, walking down walking down the street. It was something that Princess Diana had uh, had organised, and 
that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's 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 an impressive one. Um, and he he said that um, he had a message through that she wanted to meet him because of you know all the stuff that he'd done for charity and and what have you and and the fact that oh, he wow. was he was doing this, and um, and so he he went to go to see her, but the police stopped him and wouldn't except the fact that he'd been he'd been asked to go to go there so he was kind of led off by the police still on his stilts <laughs> <laughs> and actually never got to meet her as a result of it he'd com- he com- communicated with her but never actually apparently got to meet her um, um and there's a, there was a picture of him with the with the police person sort of holding holding his hand but he's eight feet up in the air and the police (laughs) (laughs) i'm just absolutely fascinating all the stories that he used to tell and he he remembered he remembered all the details about the doctor who stuff and and everything else that he'd been in and we just we just spent several hours just going through this book and he was showing us all these different pictures i would imagine it'd be fascinating it it was and what what stunned me is that you have I've never seen a full length interview with Stuart Fell in print or on one of the myth makers or anything like that you you just never see it and this man no. has got so much to tell he should write an autobiography he, he absolutely be, should I mean I, it, 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 I was almost at, almost at the point with, with this that was going on to say, you know, oh, you should, you should do. Ah, uh, he said, oh, nobody would be interested in this. Oh, no, really? It's, oh, no, it's not my kind of thing. And I thought, you know, this is where I really should have stepped in and said, well, look, you know, we'll record it. I don't care. You, you tell me all the stories. I'll write it down. We'll make a book out of this. Mm. And I kind of, I bottled it. And it, it would have been an absolute corker because the stories the man told. Honestly, five hours just flew by. And in the end, you know, he would have kept going. And his wife came in and said, I think you ought to go to bed now, Stuart. <laughs> and it's, oh, crikey, is this the time? You know, we were, we were, we got there at like six o'clock in, in the evening and got kicked out at 11 something. <laughs> Blimey. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. It was, um, you know, what, not one of the people you'd you jump at and say, oh, yeah, a Doctor Who person, I think I should meet. Yeah, obviously, Stuart Fell. But it was one of the one of the best meetings that I had with any of them. I'll bet. I can still hear snoring. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I met Charles and Diana in the early 80s, I, I think, before they were married. Oh, right. Was this, was this um, when you were working as a nurse? No, no, they came to, um, they just came to Dorchester uh, and uh, they came to Maiden Castle for some reason. I can't even remember what the reason was, but I remember queuing up for my parents uh, and lining the street uh, or lining the field. Yeah. Um, And uh, them coming down and I got a handshake off of both of them. Oh, nice. Um, So I I remember that. And I've met Princess Anne. I don't know who you are. Yes. Oh, wait. Now we hear the female of the species wait. is slowly arousing and making wow. very strange noises in her sleep. Very strange noises in I do believe she is talking. Will you be able to get me a blanket? No, you may not have a blanket. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. You may say yes. Talk to me more. Okay, if you want, they're, they're doing some. <laughs> and there's pay for everyone. <laughs> Are you with us, Sue? Okay, here I come. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> I don't know. We've been listening to you snoring for the last hour. <laughs> and talking in your sleep. <laughs> it's been I have not. Oh, oh, you have. You have. I've been snoring. Yep. Was I snoring, was, Randy? Yeah. Bit, yeah. Oh, my freaking God. And you guys didn't say, Sue, what the hell? So you know what? I kept hearing things. I, you know what? I think I was answering you. Yeah. Because I was. I kept hearing people well, talking. The best, the best bit about it is, I'm still, I'm still recording this. Oh shit! <laughs> We've been doing a David Attenborough commentary. Yeah, we've been doing a documentary. <laughs> well, is that? Well, and, and no, but I've been talking, so I don't know what the hell I said. I hope I said good things. I hope it was funny. <laughs> oh yeah, this is all recorded. This is all going to be showing up in my face someday. I just damn well know it. <laughs> well, Darren, now you know a better side of me, even more about me. <laughs> and the the worst part is, I'm not sure. I know that I could could hear you talking, so I was. Re- mm-hmm. I think I was trying to respond at some point. You were talking for a while, and then I heard. Yeah. You. To be fair, you've actually never made more sense. <laughs> So I may have been, I might have been more awake than you guys think. No, and my you story were could have been no. just me. You really were. No, you you were seriously well gone. <laughs> okay, so what did I talk about? Oh shit. Oh no, that'd be telling. No, you guys can tell me at least what I talked about. Mm, I'm not sure it can be repeated on a on a public channel. I can't remember. Oh, good. <laughs> it was, it was, it was so much that that uh, Darren had to had to leave the room at one time. <laughs> oh my god! Well, it will be interesting. Just, just don't, don't have two hours of me going. Oh no, it's not two hours. It's it's only probably about an hour. Oh, that's a, okay. <laughs> This is Sue in her natural habitat. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much how the documentary went. They were making a documentary of my snorting. Oh my god! So you can imagine where this is gonna go. Darren and Miles and my snorting. Thank you so much for not waking me up, y'all. This conversation has to go out as an episode. It really does. Well, let, let's just say that the first the first episode. Blast. <laughs> the first episode of the Twin Dilemma is probably going to be an hour and a half long, <laughs> and most of it's most of it's going to be the outtakes from the thirty-five oh. aborted attempts at trying to get the bloody thing recorded. Do I say f- any time when I was sleeping? God, I hope so. Oh yes, like, you were going. Shit, <laughs> shit, 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 shit. <laughs> That's good. 
I did not. God. You're like brothers. Don't we're trying to have a snore. we're trying to have a conversation, <laughs> and, and we we can't hear each other because you're so. <laughs> okay, oh, you need oh, this warthog wanders in. Yeah. Oh, it was, could, could somebody not have said, wake the hell up, so Why? It was too funny. We were quite happy for you to keep going. There was one, there was one point when you stopped and I went, oh, it would see, oh, no. And then you went, oh, I thought for a minute there the creature had died. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were back That's... with a vengeance. I forgive you then. It's all right. <laughs> God. I don't give a shit about the twin dilemma. That was the most entertaining evening <laughs> I've had in a long time. Me snoring. Oh, that's yeah. good. Jeez. And in this episode... We've been talking about all the famous people we've met. <laughs> and and, and not... provided by a delicate... A sound soundtrack. Snorting and growling in the background. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, and, oh. and you're awake now, so this has gotten far too uninteresting, so I'm going to go. <laughs> oh. Wait a second. Randy, are you done? He's done. Yeah, I don't think three o'clock in the morning in the UK is the time to be starting this now, though. Uh, no, oh. you can bugger off. Well, we've definitely we've definitely lost pinks. Um, Philip's watching Little Britain. <laughs> Derek, I suspect, has possibly gone to bed by now. Oh, it's only nine. What nine oh five over here? I obviously fell asleep while you two were talking. Yeah, the conversation so. was that riveting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you had a great time with my snoring. It's been. Oh yes. It's been interesting. And I was right. awake the entire time. I just did that for your entertainment. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it is three o'clock in the morning here, and. Um, I kind of like to go back to <laughs> go to bed with my wife now. Really, who's been asleep for the last three hours? So, so I am gonna I'm gonna call it. Um, okay. Quite clearly, nothing else is happening. Sorry so. about that, you guys. That's all right. It wouldn't have made any difference. I don't think Randy would. Randy had finished anyway. So, and uh, and we've been having a, a jolly time. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it's just been huge fun. Yes. Mostly at your <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to see what I can stick up on Facebook. If you don't stick something up, I'm resigning. <laughs> that was far too much fun. Uh, brilliant. Darren, no, or no. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, uh. you have one very feeble, no. <laughs> it is out of my control, Perry. <laughs> it's not out of mine. <laughs> exactly. I have a feeling I'm going to be paying some like quiet money here. <laughs> well, don't, don't let my boss think I'm. <laughs> let, let, let's put it like this, Sue. I, I think it'll be a very long time before you miss a recording session. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're locked in forever, girl. <clears throat> oh, God. It's always nice to know that if an episode with a water buffalo ever crops up, <laughs> we have the perfect person. Oh, no. We've got the famous Peter Davison episode, Snore Dance, coming up. (laughs) (laughs) And just wait till sleep. I can't help but if Nissa just couldn't handle it. Just wait till sleep no more. (laughs) (laughs) You realize I'm never going to sleep again. How am I going... <laughs> it was quite oh, it's much louder than that. <laughs> it, was, it was a muted version, but that's pretty much it. I was. Oh, you're just so mean. It was not a quick. <laughs> Wait till you. I will me. never miss. A, I will never <clears throat> miss a session. I promise. Mm. Oh, you do. You know, man, I had to be super loud. You know why? The microphone was underneath me. <laughs> oh, you were. It was like a farting hippopotamus. Oh. <laughs> oh, I want a farting hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a farting hippopotamus will do. How to wins an interference friends. <laughs> Gone with the wind. Oh my God! <clears throat> Poor Julie. She's yes. going to have to listen to this. I know. Oh, we got to listen to Sue. Listen to this. <laughs> well, on the, well subject of, on the subject of Gone with the Wind, I, I am going to be Gone with the Wind now. So um, I shall bid you both good night. And, um, Indeed. So, we'll see you guys then later. Yeah. All right. Tatty bye. Good night. Tatty bye. Tatty bye. Tatty bye. Bye. Bye-bye. God, that's funny. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Doctor Whose Line Is It Anyway? And if you'd like to contact us to let us know what you think about it, then please reach us via Twitter or Facebook. Alternatively, you can leave a review on iTunes. We don't get many. We'd love some more. It'd very much appreciated if you do that. We'd also like some of you listening to join the cast. So if anybody's interested in having a go, just contact us through one of the usual channels and we'll get you on board. Similarly, if anybody would like to submit any suggestions for characters, storylines, accents that we could do, anything along those lines, or to submit any music, sound effects, artwork, anything at all, just contact us through any of the usual channels again, and we'll see what we can do about including it. Okay, we'll see you next week for the next exciting episode. Cheerio. From all of us here on BBC One, a very good night. Good night.